0: We're going to read together from God's Word, uh, from the Book of Acts in chapter two. Towards the end of that chapter, we find that Jesus' followers have gone out into Jerusalem. Uh, this is after Jesus' death and his resurrection, uh, and having been filled by God's Spirit, they have been sort of compelled to go and tell other people about Jesus and about who he was and what he did. And so in Acts chapter 2, we hear what they had to say to the crowds of Jews gathered in Jerusalem. In verse 22, we read, Men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Jesus, that he wasn't abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls. Amen. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to hear from Andrew as to why he's here. Before we do, we're going to consider these words in Acts chapter 2, and I realize that as I prepare to do that, it would have been really useful if I'd taken any of my sermon notes into the pulpit with me. So, you will be aware, uh, regardless of whether church is a regular feature of your life or not, uh, that you mark special occasions in your life by various means. And usually the more special an occasion it is, the more significant the the effort that goes into that particular celebration is. Uh, My family and I were down in the Cotswolds uh, a week or two back to celebrate the wedding of my cousin, Um, He is the last of uh, my cousins to get married on that side of the family, and so there was uh, a real sense of celebration as family gathered from Scotland and England and Canada and uh, all sorts of other places uh, just to be together and enjoy um, celebrating the wedding. In the same way, there are some things that we celebrate with a significant event and an unusual amount of effort in the life of the church. There are things that we celebrate all the way through the year, things like um, Easter and Christmas. They come around uh, every year, as you'll be painfully aware, as we very rapidly approach Christmas uh, this year. And it's not that these things are less significant, but they're, in a sense, more usual, more ordinary. We're more familiar with them and what goes on around that particular time. We understand things like uh, singing Christmas carols, gathering together perhaps in a church on Christmas Eve for some kind of uh, carol service and celebration. We're sort of familiar with that, even if we don't participate in that. But what's perhaps a little less familiar to some of us is what we're going to celebrate this morning, baptism. Baptism, a little bit like a wedding, is something that um, the Bible lays out a plan for, a format for, has expectations of, and there's a, a sort of an implicit expectation in it that it's an event that will happen once in your life, ordinarily. And in the case of baptism, this is particularly true, what on earth is baptism? Why on earth are we going to take a a perfectly dry young man and immerse him into what is essentially a giant bath of water? Why on earth would anybody do that? It seems rather unusual, a little bit strange. Is it really something that significant? Or is it something we're just making a big fuss of for the sake of it? Well, at its most basic, baptism is is about becoming a Christian. In the passage that we read earlier on from uh, the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, uh, the apostle Peter goes out and wants to tell the crowds of men and women in Jerusalem that have gathered for one of the great Jewish uh, celebrations, one of their great festivals at the Passover, he wants to tell them why Jesus is so important, because they all know, everybody in Jerusalem knows that this man called Jesus was crucified not all that long uh, before. Some of them will have heard that Jesus wasn't just crucified, though, that he was raised from the dead. And almost certainly, they, like many of us this morning, would really struggle with that. What on earth? That just doesn't happen. How can that possibly be true? This must be just a a lunatic fringe that followed him that really are just grasping at straws. They can't let go of someone that they loved so dearly having been executed like this, and so they just can't move on. So they've sort of concocted this story. But Peter stands up and preaches and lays out for them why they ought to believe this. And I find it really interesting when he does, because Peter doesn't sort of treat them gently. He doesn't tell them that that Jesus has come and they've missed him uh, and and really they ought to, to believe in him and follow him. He makes it clear that the Jews in Jerusalem were those who were calling out for his crucifixion. And he says to them at least a couple of times in this passage alone, you crucified him. And this is really significant for the Jews because what Peter is saying to them is he is our Messiah. He's the Savior that we have waited for for thousands of years. We've longed for this person to come. We have organized our whole lives, everything we do, every single day as Jewish people has been expecting him to come. And when he came, not only did we miss it, but we were the ones calling for him to be executed, that the one that God had sent to, to save us, to transform our lives, to do away with all of the bad things that we do every day that offend God that the Bible calls sin, to deal with that for us so that we can know God and love him, because that's what we were made to do right back in the beginning of creation. We were made to glorify God. And we can't do that, because you've killed the person who was sent to enable that very thing. And the crowds are understandably quite upset by that. They're really cut to the heart. What on earth are we supposed to do now if the one that God sent us, the Savior, we've just killed him? is it too late? Are we finished? Have the last 2,000 years of our people's history just been for nothing? Is it just all a waste? And Peter says, no. No, it hasn't all been a waste. What you need to do is repent. What that means is turn. Turn 180 degrees and go the other way to the way that you were going. And what he means by that is that they ought to, instead of resist God, follow God. Instead of pushing back against him and constantly struggling with him, go the direction he desires. They go, and they begin doing that by confessing their sins, all those things they've done wrong, to God, asking for God's forgiveness, and then walking in that new direction. And Peter says, when you do that, you get baptized. Now, for Jews, this wasn't an unfamiliar thing. Jews baptized uh, people as a a part of their uh, religious life. If you wanted to become a Jew, if you weren't born Jewish and you wanted to become a Jew, part of the thing you had to do um, was you had to go through a whole rigorous process of learning scripture and going to the temple and so on. And then, uh, if you're a male, after being circumcised, you would be washed. You would be immersed in water, head to foot, as a sign that all of the old life has been washed away and the person that comes up out of the water is clean. And holy, and prepared to serve God and love Him and uh, and worship Him for the rest of his or her life. That's what the Jews did. And that's what Peter says you must do now. Repent, turn from your sins, the things that you do that offend God, ask for forgiveness, even if you don't even know all of the things that you're doing wrong that offend God, and be baptized, be washed as a sign that you are now clean. And then go and follow Jesus let the house of Israel know for certain God has made him Lord and Christ, this Jesus that you crucified. So baptism does a number of things in our celebration this morning. It marks a a once-in-a-lifetime transformation in Andrew's life. It marks this decision that he has made to follow God, to follow Jesus, instead of just going wherever he wants to go and doing whatever he wants to do. In the passage, baptism marks our call by God to go and follow him. That we've heard what he said and we have responded. God calls each of us. In the, the preceding section of chapter 2 that before we've read, we find the disciples have been empowered by God, and they'd been sent out to this huge crowd of men and women that have gathered in Jerusalem, and they preached to absolutely anybody who was walking past, and they called out to all of them to repent, to turn, and believe in Jesus, and to be baptized. And many heard, and many responded, 3,000, but not all of them. There's plenty of people there, and there are plenty of people today who hear that same call, that this is what you were made to do as a human being. Regardless of where you've come from, what your culture is, your skin color, your language, anything else, as a human being, this is what you were made for. But we'll hear that call, and some will decide, I'm not interested. I want to keep going my own way. As the disciples preach, and some reject what they have to say... Some of them don't. Some of them do hear and are impacted by this and do respond to this call. Matthew, uh, in Matthew's gospel, records the words of Jesus when he says that that many are called. Few are chosen. Few come. That The the door and the way is wide that that leads to destruction, uh, and there are many that go that way, but the path that leads to this life with God is narrow, and, and there aren't that many that find it. In being baptized, we're stating publicly that we've heard the good news that Jesus has come to deal with all of the things in me that, that make me in some way corrupted, damaged, that make me hurt other people, hurt myself, say things that aren't right, do things that aren't right. And in being transformed by Jesus and asking for his forgiveness, I am a new person. I've been called by God and I'm responding voluntarily to that call. Baptism also marks the fact that we have, as Peter says, repented, turned, and gone the other way. This isn't just that we hear that we ought to be better, like um, some kind of self-help guru that says, your life could be so much better if you um, spend any amount of time on Facebook or YouTube. You will be bombarded with uh, adverts all the time. Do you have problems controlling your personal finances. Are you in need of uh, losing weight? Do you find that you're just sluggish and tired all the time? Well, here, this plan will help solve all your problems in life. We hear it all the time. That is not what we're called to by God. We're not given good advice. We're not told that if we're interested, then we can sort of follow this step one, two, and three, and things will sort of get a bit better. And then you can get on with doing whatever it was you wanted to do repentance means our whole life completely changes and goes in a whole new direction, and it's something that we're not able to do ourselves. It doesn't matter how many self-help books you get, how many New Year's resolutions you make and then break 48 hours later, how many diets you go on, how many times you subscribe to the gym and go twice in the space of a year spending 40 pounds a month or whatever it is. We know we're no good at going in a new direction on our own, and God knows that because he made you. And so, he helps us. Baptism marks a turning in our life and going in a new direction that God enables, that God empowers. That's what Andrew is confessing, and we'll do a little later in our service. It's what anyone who's been baptized is confessing, that my life has now been washed away. The old is gone, and something new has come, and I want to walk in this new life now, not the old way. And I need God's help in order for that to happen. Baptism marks our turning and going in a different direction. Baptism marks our obedience. Look, we're called to do it. It really is pretty simple. It's not good advice, like I've said. It's not, well, if I were you, I think this might be better for you. But maybe it's not better for this person over here. That's not the way it works. It's laid out in a very politically incorrect way in today's society where you're never allowed to tell people they're wrong or that they should be doing something other than what they're doing if it keeps them happy. Peter's really clear. This is a way of life you should all have and you must walk in it. So believe and be baptized. Just that's what you need to do. And baptism, again, is a marker that we've heard that and we are willing to be obedient, that we're willing to go in that way. It's not a way that will be easy. There'll be many challenges. There'll be just innumerable joys. Being a Christian is amazing. But it doesn't exempt us from all the difficulties of life, loss and grief, pain, sickness, uh, poverty, and so on. What it does do is enable us to go through these things with a God who helps us all the way so we're able to weather those storms. I don't know how many people I've spoken to over the past two or three weeks, who have said again and again, if it wasn't for the faith that I've got in Christ, I just don't know how I would ever have coped with this because I would have been brought to complete despair. But I know Christ is with me and I know that he's leading me and guiding me and so I'm able to carry on. Many of us have said that over the course of our lives. And baptism marks our obedience to walk in that way knowing that we're still going to face difficulties but we have a God who leads us through and in some cases carries us when we need to because we simply can't go on in our own strength anymore. Baptism, lastly, marks our inclusion into a family. The family has always been at the very center of God's people, of the church. This is why God made the family unit in In the beginning, back in the Garden of Eden, he makes a man and makes a woman and calls them to be married together and have children, to be a family. And the reason is he wants us to know what it's like to live with God. He gives us this physical example. And so when Andrew is baptized, it marks his inclusion into a family greater than his biological one. Not that there's anything wrong with his biological family. They're perfectly wonderful people, I'm quite sure. I know some of them and can testify to that. Most of them, anyway. All the ones here. But he's being included into something far bigger than that the family, not just of Lady Will Baptist Church, but of every Christian alive on the planet. This is something far bigger. This runs, in a sense, far deeper because we share something that lasts not just for the course of this life, but for all eternity. We know God, we love Him, and we do it together over the course of our lives. In a day like the one Peter speaks to, sickness could strike at any time and decimate your family. War could break out and your young men could go off to fight and not come back, or war could come to your land and cause tremendous damage and devastation and leave you homeless uh, without food and without any help or hope. Businesses could crash. There was no social sort of safety net to secure you. There was no welfare. There was no NHS. Society was um, fragile. Families could be broken apart in a moment and you were left on your own in a world that seemed largely not to care. Is any of this sounding vaguely familiar to you? Because this is not all that different to the day that we live in today. We have an NHS, we have social services, and we have all sorts of other supports, but at the end of the day, if COVID has taught us anything, it is that life is incredibly uncertain, unbelievably fragile, and we are not in control. Society breaks down, the family is breaking down all over the place as the West moves away from its Christian heritage, and we just don't see the value in in being married and having a family um, anymore. Who cares about that sort of outmoded uh, way of living? We live in a society where we're on our own, where we feel isolated, and again, the last sort of two years have revealed that. People feel desperately sad, desperately lonely, worried about the future. They have no idea whether they'll have a job tomorrow, or maybe they've already lost their job and they don't know how they're ever going to get a job back again. They're worried about their health. They've lost loved ones to COVID and to other things because of COVID, and in the end, we hear this you are included into a family with a God who loves you and cares for you. You are part of a group of people who, whatever else happens in your life, will never leave you or abandon you, because in them you have people who have been saved and redeemed by Jesus, just as you are, and that can only be taken away by Jesus. And he promises he never will. In John chapter 6, which people are probably fed up of me quoting by this point, Jesus says that all those that the Father gives me, I will raise up on the last day. I will lose none of them. So we walk out as Christian people into an uncertain, uncaring world, and yet we have a God who goes with us, who binds us together, unites us, blesses us beyond measure, and gives us a family to serve and to be served by, regardless of what we're like. And I've heard, and I've personally, in the quietness of my mind, often thought what one believer at once said to me, that I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I could wring their necks sometime, but I love them. And I suspect some of you have thought that, and I certainly have over the years. But they're my family. And as much as sometimes we get frustrated with each other, we are included into this family that is united by something greater than common interest a desire to to do good and to bless people around us, united by something far more, united by a Savior who sits at the very heart of all we are and all that we do and says, I love you, and I want you to love me, and I want you to love the other people that I love. And as they serve you, you serve them. What more do we want in this world, in this culture, in this society that we live in, that says really the only person that cares about you is you? So get on with your life. In the first century, Peter is speaking to exactly the same kind of world that we're living in today. It is a world that needs hope, that needs God. And we are told that baptism marks out that God desires us to know him. He loves us regardless of who we are or where we've come from. So I want you to come and be part of my family. It marks our repentance that we say we want to be part of that family because it's worth it. You, God, are worth it. So draw me in and make me part of what I do not yet belong to. It marks our desire to go and live in light of this amazing new life that we've been given, this transformed life. It marks our obedience that things are going to be difficult, but I'm going to persevere. It marks our inclusion into a family that will always love us and support us and care for us regardless of the mess that we make of our lives. Andrew is in just a few short moments going to stand in this tank of water and we are going to immerse him in water and hopefully lift him back out again and we're going to do that as a sign that he has been transformed. He's been washed clean. He's been made new. He is obedient to God's call. He's going to walk in this way. He's going to do this for the rest of his life, whatever else he does, because God loves him and has made him part of his family. And there is an opportunity for you to respond in the same way as Andrew does, not this morning. We're not opening it up to anyone who wants to, to get baptized this morning, but the call that Andrew has responded to in, in obedience, that call of repentance and faith, is one that we are all able to respond to this morning, should we listen and obey. We have an opportunity to hear God say that, I desire you in my family. I know that you've made mistakes. I know that your life has been challenging and difficult, but I desire you in my family nonetheless. Come and experience the love that I have for you, the joy that I have for you, the family that I have for you. And we can respond in faith, as Andrew has, as Peter has, as 3,000 men and women in Jerusalem did 2,000 years ago. This isn't just something that we do, like marking a birthday every year, or an anniversary every year. Not that these things aren't special, This is not something commonplace and ordinary. This is something extraordinary that we do. We are celebrating the transformation of a life from one way, from one direction, to turn around and face in another, a complete transformation, a complete change. Now, you might be saying, hang on a minute, I know Andrew, and I knew what he was like before, and I know what he's like now, and I don't see that much of a change, but you will. Not that I'm putting too much pressure on him right now, but you will. And this is why we're doing this publicly, We're doing this publicly because we are all saying together, we hear what you are saying, we hear the commitment you've made, and we are walking with you in that as a church. We will help you every step of the way because you're going to make mistakes. It's going to go wrong, it inevitably will, but we'll still be there and we'll love you anyway because we all remember the day that you stood up and said you love Jesus and you're going to follow him with everything that you are. And so, I would open that invitation to you if that was something you wanted to know more about or something you wanted to respond to. I don't know many of you. I don't know where you are in your life and what experiences you've had, but I do know that God loves you. I do know that God desires all people to come and be part of his family, and he will have you as part of that family if you ask him. And so as we prepare to baptize Andrew in recognition that he has accepted that call, let's pray together that we would not just see but understand as well ourselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for uh, baptism this morning. We thank you that this is something the church has always done. And yet, Lord, we ask that you would help us to understand afresh, regardless of whether this is the first baptism we've seen or the thousand. Lord, help us to understand afresh what this is truly about. This is a confession that life is to be lived with God and cannot be lived in a manner that is pleasing to you any other way. And so, Lord God, we give you thanks for Andrew and his commitment to follow you. We pray that you would be with him. And Lord, as we watch, as we participate in this baptism this morning, we ask that you would give us strength and wisdom to understand, that we would hear your call, that we would respond to it in faith, Lord, that we would cast ourselves upon Jesus. We would ask to be forgiven and ask that you would lead us on into that new life not because we're amazing, not because you simply couldn't do without us, but because we make many mistakes. We have made many failures. We simply aren't good enough, and we know it. And yet, Lord, you call us anyway, as weak and frail as we are, because you love us. You made us. You know the number of hairs on our head. You know every thought that we have ever had. You knew us better than we knew ourselves. And so, Lord God, we ask, that you would bless us all together in this time as we celebrate with Andrew what the apostles celebrated 2,000 years ago, that men and women can be changed forever by you. Lord, we thank you, and we ask your blessing upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.